and welcome back to the Youngstown Penguin Football Podcast. I'm your host, Sal Guardo. With me, as always, my co-host, Kyle Searle, Kurt Hess, and Dan Kopp, uh, doing our first show of the offseason. So we're all happy to be back and seeing you uh, with the offseason. A lot of different moves have taken place, uh, a lot of transfer portals, uh, coaching carousels. Uh, just maybe 30 minutes to an hour ago, Jim Harbaugh is officially going to L.A. Chargers just to let you know the latest of uh, when we're recording and what's going on. Uh, but as always, we are on Instagram, Whitetown Penguin Podcast that Kurt has uh, monitors. Ask him any questions. Please give us a follow. We are on YouTube live tonight. Uh, you can always watch us live and answer any questions. Kyle Searle is monitoring that live tonight. If you have any questions. Uh, for our guests, please go ahead and do that. And of course, we are anywhere podcasts can be found. Please reach out at any time. Uh, first, we got a couple interviews I want to do tonight, so we're definitely going to run through it. Uh, but first, we're going to flip things over to Kirk. So I know we had our FCS playoff challenge, which of course, I guess we'll give a light congrats to the South Dakota State Jackrabbits on repeating as national champs, but we did have a bracket challenge that we all did. Hurdy. Yeah, uh, so the FCS bracket challenge, uh, our boy Mets won that one. I think he picked uh, 23 out of 26 total uh, to win that one. I think the only hope was if South Dakota State did not repeat and Montana won, uh, then Sal and Searle, you may have jumped up near him, but it was pretty much his from start to finish from the first round to the last round. So congratulations, Mets. Uh, I know we're going to get you on the show. Uh, Mets has seriously a lot of good intel about the program right now, not just a football program, but Youngstown State sports uh, across the board. Uh, my wife and I are working on a shirt to send out his way, so I've already connected about that. But we'll get a bio sheet put together. All of us get a bio sheet, and then we'll highlight him a little bit on our Instagram page. So Congrats, Mets, man. You, you you rocked that. That was that was all you. And, yes, yeah, and he's got to come on the show here this offseason, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So that'll be a great host to have on. Uh, again, I mentioned a lot of portal action happening, but for the case of this Youngstown State football portal, uh, Curdy's also going to give us an update on what's going on with YSU's incoming portal players. Yeah, not to hit too much about, but we'll highlight a couple of the players that are leaving our program. Alex Howard, Texas A&M. You know, we can sit, go back and forth about these transfers out of the program right now, but at this point, you know, you wish these guys the best. Anthony Johnson over to Illinois, Dylan Woodkey uh, to Kansas. And the one that I, I'm not too sure about, Andres Lehrman, uh, headed to Montana. So, you know, you see those guys take a step forward, um, but is is Montana a step ahead of us right now? Is that is that one of those signs? But Transfers in for us, Austin Bray, tight end out of UT Martin, Tyler Bacour, Stefan Bird, uh, Rich Dandridge, Jawan Hall, transfer from Slippery Rock, shout out Tevin, Dante, and Tanner Gary, uh, Stefan Hall from Pitt, uh, really excited about that one, Dathan Hickey from, from Yale, Jabarik Hopkins, D-lineman from We Are Marshall, uh, Karsten Marshall from Coach Haycock out of Iowa State, the defensive guy, Antonio O'Berry from Tiffin. Uh, Tiffin, a D2 squad, but they were in the D2 playoffs last year. Uh, Dayton boy, so you know he's going to be good. Matt Reardon, a local kid from Ursuline, transfer uh, from Sean McVay's alma mater of Miami, Ohio. Uh, Brady Shannon, quarterback, played baseball at UCF last year, another Ursuline guy. Jace Tutty, uh, DB transfer from Penn State. He was with Penn State for three years. That's an interesting transfer there. 
Um, in, in last one, uh, Ethan Wright is an Akron native, uh, another running back out of UC. So I'm sure I missed a couple guys, and I know Coach Phillips is probably watching that portal pretty well. But long list of names, guys. Long list of names. Anything you know stick out to you guys? I only heard about the a little bit about the running backs from Cincinnati. I think there's a connection there, maybe with Coach Phillips when he was he might have recruited one of those guys or both to Cincinnati. So when he was there, so I heard a little bit about that. And did you mention did we got a safety coming from Pitt? Is that one of the guys yeah, you mentioned? Yeah, um, let me look for his name here. You know, I um, think he's. Did we get him and his brother? Was it a? Is it Stefan Hall? Is that the DB? I know you mentioned a safety from Pitt. Uh, the one yep. that I saw was, was Stefan Hall. We may have gotten another one. I think there were a couple late um, okay. ads that we hadn't seen. So keep an eye out from those guys. But yeah, no, I think it's the way of the world nowadays, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the running backs. We've really hit home runs on uh, running backs in the transfer portal the last few shots. So I'm. Uh, if we have a running back coming in, I you already know he's going to be he's going to be a stud. So I'm I'm excited to see we got one coming in. Uh, but anyway, we're we're going to move on to the interview segment. Everyone, if everyone's cool with that, yeah. Let's transition. Sure. Well, actually, one of our own uh, was being honored in the hall of fame it's something we've known for three or four months we've all held it in that we weren't able to announce it uh and now if if you follow wise you closely you'll probably already know who it is but for those of you who don't we're very honored he's on the show uh i'm gonna flip it over to kyle searle to give the introduction to our hall of fame inductee no surprise um thanks sal no surprise that our own Kurt Hess is going to be a, a first ballot Hall of Famer at YSU. Um, my best friend, someone that uh, I came in with, I met him uh, way back uh, in the spring game of 2009. Uh, funny story, I just randomly went up and talked to his dad. Didn't really know any of the incoming recruits. We came in on camp. I was like, hey, man, you got a, you got a roommate yet? He's like, nah. And I was like, um, why don't you room with me? And then the rest is history. But uh, Kurt, Kurt ended his career as the all-time uh, leader in completions, attempts, yards, TD passes, yards per game, 200-yard games, passer rating, TDs responsible for, four touchdown pass games, total offensive yards, and total offense per game. So that is not just a one-trick pony there, someone that really uh, took hold of the offense and and – the whole team really um true leader and, and teammate and captain for for multiple seasons and uh loved playing with him on top of all those stats he was three-time all-conference and he is smarter than he looks he was a three-time academic all-conference uh player as well so <laughs> our own kurt hess my best friend let's let's uh celebrate him tonight we got his o- oc probably my my favorite coach on the staff Shane. Well, it was between him and Sims, so but uh Sims never got an autographed picture of me, so you know. <laughs> I appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Curdy, a few words. Yeah, man, I'm I'm stoked. Uh 
honestly, like there's a lot that goes into it. I, number one, I think it's pretty awesome, man, just to be uh, mentioned with a lot of the people who are already in it. I know Cook got in last year, but just going through, you know, the website and looking at who's all in that Hall of Fame and meeting some of the guys this year. I know with Matt Hogg getting the alumni group really back and going and meeting some of those guys like Jeff Ryan and a number of other people who are in the Hall of Fame. It's it's definitely a traditional program and you're proud to be a part of that tradition. A um, lot of work, definitely something I'm super proud of. Thinking back to the 6 a.m.s, thinking back to summer conditioning, thinking about uh, practices that we had to restart because of Haycock, um, practices that we had, you know, went two and a half hours, three hours, and, you know, back to where, when Wolf was just killing us an individual. Uh, thanks to Coach Coach Monty for letting us just throw fades or something nice and easy. But um, a lot goes into it, man, like offensive line play and run game play, thinking about everybody that's helped me along the way. It's definitely – going to be my name written down but I know that there were a lot of people including coach and and roommates like Kyle and coach cop and Sal you know you were one of the first coaches I met Sal when when you guys picked me up at that random parking lot by the stadium so that's uh, right like hey are you Kurt are you a recruit and I'm like you must be a coach I I mean I thought you'd be a little bit taller but here you are Um, (laughs) so it's a lot that goes into it and I wish I could credit everybody I've been working on my speech a little bit for a few weeks now and I think I'm going to spend the whole time thanking people because Marilyn Obruba comes to mind. John Danaco comes to mind. Um, you know, Coach Wathen wasn't even our athletic trainer at the time, but I felt like he was a part of my experience there. Um, and both Coach Haycock, Wolf, and, and obviously Monty and Coach Carm. A um, lot that goes into it, but definitely a proud moment for me. So appreciate it, sir. Yeah. And we're yeah, going to do sure. a, a, an interview of um... – Kurt, but uh, the YouTube live chat is open. So any questions for Kurt, send them on in. And as Kyle mentioned already, we do have former Youngstown State Offensive Coordinator from 2010 to 2017, uh, Shane Montgomery, who was both the quarterback coach and offensive coordinator for Curdy. So uh, definitely want to kick off the interview with Shane. Uh, any any words, stories, questions for Kurt? No, I. I uh... I want to congratulate Kurt. You know, when we found out, obviously it was uh, it was a long time coming. Um, you know, he had been out about ten years or so, but you know, he was. It was. I still remember going in there with Coach Wolford, new staff, and you know, one of the things we heard early was we got to get a quarterback. You know, people didn't think we had anybody. There. And, and Kurt can tell you, we brought a couple guys in that, that just didn't work out. And, uh, yeah, there's some good stories that go with that. But, uh, you know, Kurt ended up being the guy and starting for, you know, I think it was 45 or 46 straight games. And, you know, the only mm-hmm. thing I worry you know, about him, I hated for him, was we never made the playoffs. You know, we had a lot of good teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in today's 24-team playoff, we would have probably made it two or three times. But back mm-hmm. then it was either 16 or 20. And But Kurt had a great career, and we were able to build the offense around him. Like he said, you know, he had some really good skill players with him, and I think we got better and better on the offensive line as the years went along and, and had a lot of fun on offense and very well-deserving. Um, you know, being an Ohio guy like I was, you know, it's good to it's good to see those Ohio quarterbacks have a lot of success and Definitely. credit they deserve. Sure. Appreciate it, Coach. Thank you. Uh Shane, unless you got something else, uh, I'm going to kick it over to Dan. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Coach, thanks. Uh, 
thanks for being here, uh, Coach. And obviously, congrats, Kurt. Um, just really cool. No surprise, first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, long overdue. But it's interesting, Shane touched on, I got just a quick story before I ask a question. When Coach Wolford came in, and I think, Sal, you were in the team meeting room uh, or the staff meeting room with me that maybe that day and the coaches. And I had just met Shane a couple weeks prior and, and Wolf, same thing. And they're like, all right, who's our quarterback? Well, I'm, I'm looking at Sal. I'm like, man, you know, I'm, I'm the ops guy. I'm not calling any plays anytime soon. And well, we got, I see this Hess and, and, and Konetsky, right? It was you and Mark were the only two QBs on the roster at that time. Or am I missing Gannon, someone? Gannon was a walk on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Gannon, they hadn't moved Gannon over to defense yet, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, so three great guys, but they're like, you know, well, are, are we going to win with any of these guys? I'm, I said, well, again, I, I'm not calling plays, but, oh, we got to get a quarterback. And, and that, you know, that's part of coaching and the transition to a new staff. But old number 12 just took over there and um, led to a Hall of Fame career. So congrats to you, Kurt. Couldn't happen to a better guy. And Appreciate we all it, love you. And um, my question kind of is that, so fast forward from that uh, winter of 2010 through spring ball, you competed with, uh, oh man, the big fella from the transfer from Purdue. I can't. Najee Tyler. Najee, <laughs> Najee. Yeah, yeah. And um, you win the job and your first start, yeah, <laughs> your first start is in Happy Valley in front of 100,000 people against Joe Pa. So I got to ask you, what, what were your feelings leading up to that game? And, and what, what kind of settled you in? Because, yeah. you know, we kick off and there you go. So give us a little insight about Penn State 2010. Yeah, I have to say the whole week, um, I, I was nervous the whole week. And you're running through all kinds of emotions. And I think the thing that I kept thinking about that week, and I think I had almost beaten out Najee at that time. Najee was six foot five, 240. Purdue <laughs> transfer with with a cannon, guys. He could he yep. could spin the ball um all week you know you get into your emotions but the thing I thought of the most is like I haven't played a game in two years I redshirted and my last game was late October early November of 2008 and so here I am almost two years later playing against Penn State and playing against Joe Pop thankfully coach helped me by getting the ball out of my hands as fast as possible which was great because I don't think our you know, O-line was necessarily a match for theirs at that point because Penn State, that was a Rose Bowl squad. Um, what settled me in was throwing a, a third and seven, third and eight rocket screen to Dominique Barnes, who took it 80 yards to the house. Um, but, I mean, after that, I think that we had a, a good game plan that was somewhat safe and, and helpful for a young quarterback like me who we didn't really have much of a run game. Um, but yeah, once you get out in that field and, and I think it's probably like Searle, you know, going out on Michigan state or going out to Penn state, once you get out on the field, you just kind of let it all hang out and there's nothing better than doing it. And in front of 101,000 people and, you know, you could be scared all you want. You could be afraid all you want, but once you get out there, there's, there's no holding back. So something just kind of takes over you and you just kind of live in that moment. Yeah, I remember real quick Wolf saying, "How about my boy Hess? How about my boy Hess, man? Check check his heartbeat out. See see if he's breathing fast." And he, he was teasing you all all warm up, and uh, oh. you didn't have to mention D Barnes. He'll probably be calling into the show. Man. He, uh, he but, he'd be hitting me up if I didn't say his name about that. Yeah, game. well, but yeah, that was my question because you played like 
you know, I think we were calling you Curdy Ice after that game. You just <laughs> looked like you you had been out there for for a long time. Wow. So second time awesome. I didn't know what the was... Eli Duke could tell. I was on a spot route. He ran like yep. a five yard inside hitch route inside the linebacker. I just chucked yeah. it to him, and I swear he caught it and fell backwards into the end zone. It was like he didn't know what to do with the ball when he had. What it. was the Barnes touchdown? A jailbreak. That was a jailbreak, uh, yeah, right? Tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, tunnel screen. Yes, yep. I think Sal recruited Eli Ducatel. He's a Florida boy. Our guy Eli. <laughs> hey, speed to burn. <laughs> yep. I don't know. So, what was taking better. it back over to you, man. Yeah. All right. So I got a couple, a couple stories about Kurt. Couple, couple off field, couple on field. Um, there's obviously just all the time that we spent together. Two minute of the list, but um, one, a couple that I just always think about and just kind of laugh is, you know coming back from downtown in the middle of winter and taking pictures with the Indian statue and like 2 a.m. And I mean, you know, 10 p.m. before bed, you know, like we were always in bed at 10 p.m. <laughs> right, Kurt? So, right. Um, and then uh, w- one time, this is our freshman year, we were so deathly afraid to miss 6 a.m. like you show up five minutes early to 6 a.m. you're late. So, we're all getting ready. I'm doing a paper, um, you know, procrastinating my typical self. So I'm up until like one thirty doing this paper. I immediately, I finish, I send it. I get in bed at one thirty, and shut the light, shut the light off. And Kurt jumps out of bed, whips the door open, runs into the hall, and is like sh- immediately comes back in the room and shakes me. And he's like, "We are late for six a.m." I'm like. Kurt, I just got into bed. It is one thirty. Go to bed. He's like, okay. <laughs> and so I think about that all the time. It's just like super random of him to just like jump out of bed like that. But it was it was just kind of like that anxiety that we had as freshmen going into winter six a.m.s with with Wolf, who you know s- scared the shit out of us his, his first year. So um, yeah, that, that I laugh about that all the time. And then on the field. That. On the field, uh, you know, we didn't really get to converse that much on the field, but I always remember um, we're just, I'm grinding through individual, I'm grinding through inside run, I'm grinding through uh, good on good, and then special teams rolls along, and I'm on every special team, I'm either a backup or starting, and Kurt's just over on the sideline just hanging out, chatting with the girl, the water girls, the equipment staff, just doing nothing, just living life for the next, you know, 25, 30 minutes. And, oh, that after, like, with five minutes left, Coach Shane. (laughs) But, uh, you know, just something funny to think about there. But uh, you guys get into my question for Gert. You guys kind of already touched on, um, you know, our our quarterback transferred in. And we've talked about, you know, the transfer rules were were very different when we played football. and. you know, and as freshmen, you know, you always kind of think like a transfer from a big school is going to be like dominant, right? Like, oh my gosh, like we got a, a Big Ten quarterback transfer. Like, what's that all about? Like, and, and I remember being out with Kurt one night and uh, they kind of announced at the the place that we were at that hey, our next starting quarterback is in the house and it was like you know they announced not kurt and i just remember looking at kurt and he was like 
that competitor in him was just pissed. And so my question is, Kurt, like, and this is for you too, Shane, uh, walk us through your mindset of that first camp with Najee and kind of not accepting that your job was all but there for you to take. And Shane kind of like, tell us like, do you remember when you decided that Kurt was the guy and what set him apart throughout camp or, or two days or whatever the case may be that, that Kurt was going to be your guy for the next four years? Well, I think we knew coming first, out. Coach? Of... Yeah, I'll take it first. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. Can you all hear me okay? Um, yep. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, we came out of spring practice and, um, you know, I think we had a feeling that Kurt was going to be the guy. And, uh, but we, we kept the competition open until fall camp. Um, that was something you always did. But I think the biggest thing with us was trying to get a feel for not only what we had at quarterback, but what we had offensively. And, um, you know, we had a. I think I lost him. Y'all, y'all hear him? Uh, no, but to answer your question, Cyril, like you're you're on pins and needles, and what a lot of people don't understand about college ball is looking back after I was playing, and Cyril, same thing for you. Your coach Wolf told us this. He is recruiting somebody better than you. He wants to improve his team. He wants to improve his roster. So when they brought in Najee, it was like I had to balance not trying to make a ton of mistakes, but also going out there and playing free. And, you know, the year after that, you know, they bring, you know, Miko and they bring in, um, you know, these other transfers, they bring in Pat Angle. Pat had a stronger arm than I did. Dante, you know, was a little bit shorter than me, but Dante was probably a little bit more athletic and a better runner. Ricky Davis is the last person they brought in. Like these coaches are trying to bring in people better than you. And so as a college athlete who's on the field, you have this understanding that you, you, uh, and maybe this is just me, maybe this is just some athletes, but somebody is coming to take your job if you mess up enough. And, you know, that, that camp was the same kind of thing. It was trying to balance making too many mistakes and learning how to play the position versus trying to be a leader out there and, and be supportive of that guy that you're competing against. And I don't know why they do it. Pro- Coach can probably talk to this a little bit more, but I had a friggin' room with Najee for two and a half weeks <laughs> with no phone. And that's just a pain in the ass because thankfully he was on Skype most of the time and he was talking to his girl and not getting enough sleep. So I felt like if I went to sleep on time, I was getting the leg up kind of thing. Um, but there there must be some coaching philosophy behind that. And I don't know what it was, but pins and needles, man, for two and a half, three weeks. Yeah, I was talking about, you know, well, we've got a good Miko story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's no longer with us, but. Uh, no, all right. But uh, you guys hear me okay? Yeah. I'm sorry. I keep clicking up. Um, but I think that was the biggest thing. We were just trying to we were trying to have some competition. I think that's what you always do as a, as a quarterback. You try to have competition. You try to make sure that, you know, I, I've been places too where we've only had one quarterback. And when you only have one quarterback and you don't have any competition, that person doesn't get any better. And so I think we just try, you know, it ended up being Kurt's job. You know, we brought in some guys that really didn't compete with Kurt, but I think that it gave him a little bit of an edge that he was going to prove to us that, you know, he was going to be the guy. And and he took it there in the first game. I, I still remember 
the Penn State game, I think, would we score 13 points? And uh, somebody told me after the game, it was the first time that Youngstown State had ever scored a touchdown against a, an FBS team. And, you know, I, that wasn't yeah. what I wanted to hear. I was trying to win the game, but I think that we got some <laughs> conf- we got some confidence coming out of the game. And, you know, I know we'd beat a good Southern Illinois team a couple weeks later that was the defending champs. And, you know, we didn't have the type of year mm-hmm. we wanted that first year, but I think that kind of got the ball rolling and, we ended up having, you know, three straight winning seasons after that. And like I said, she probably should have made the playoffs uh, the way it is nowadays. Kurt, what do you think? What What are some of your best uh, memories that you have going back? You know, there's probably a couple of games that stand out. Um, you know, what are the same games that, yeah. that make the most mean the most to you? Yeah, I, I mean, definitely that Southern Hill game. Um, being there for in redshirting, all you heard about was Southern Hill and how they rolled the conference. And, you know, they were 8-0 or 16-0 and in the conference for two years. Southern Hill actually recruited me coming out of high school, too, and they didn't give me a full scholarship. They ended up giving it to that um, guy, Corey Faulkner, I think was his name. I don't know why I still remember him. But, um, you know, we ended up going 3-1 and one against Southern Hill while I was there, and, and I don't like the game that we lost to them, but – they were kind of a team that I always had a chip on my shoulder against because they recruited me. Pitt was obviously a huge one. Um, and I think what's crazy about Pitt is the people who won that game truly will to this day tell you we were going to win that game. There was no way we were going to lose it. We just felt like we were better. Run game was there. Defense was there. As long as we didn't really turn the ball over. Looking back on my stats, it wasn't really that great of a game either. I mean, we, uh, my completion percentage was about 50%. Um, a couple big plays and aggressive calls that helped us really win that one. But anything senior year where we had to score a touchdown late was was probably my favorite one. Southern Hill again on the road, South Dakota on the road. Um, some of those tight ones, I think we had one. Uh, Western Illinois at home, which Western Hill was a pretty good team. I think they were coming off a playoff year. We had to score late, and we threw that throwback on the goal line to Nate Adams, and Nate almost caught that thing one-handed. So... <laughs> Any times we needed to score when we needed to, and senior year we did it three or four times. Those are just they're great memories because you talk about your like I can hit up Nate and we talk about that catch anytime now. So it just creates those memories with those guys. Yeah, yeah I'm I, gonna jump in. Oh, go ahead. No, go coach. ahead. I was just saying as you know, I've been coaching 32 years, and I I don't think I've ever been as excited as I was after that pit game. You know, I remember mm-hmm. I must have ran the fastest 40 coming down from the uh, press box <laughs> I've ever done, and I made the mistake of trying to pick Ron Strollo off the ground, and I think I threw my back out that day. So, but that was a good that was a good memory. That's a big win. So uh, I'm just going to jump in early, Sal, because Jacob Zinni um, asked us, a good, Kurt, Sal, and and Coach Shane, about the pick game, um, and really, what do you guys think our biggest advantage was going into that game? And I honestly think, I think it was our mindset and uh, we practiced like we were going to beat them. We had the confidence that we were going to beat them. And when we entered that stadium, I just felt like there was, there was no way we weren't coming out with a win. And I think it was just like our mindset. And I think them having a first year head coach, uh, well, maybe not head coach, but uh, the first year with a new coach kind of, they were still trying to figure out who they were and what their identity was. And, and we just kind of took advantage of it. Yeah. I think, you know, I always tell people that 
we had some good players. I think Andre Stubbs was the best player on the field that night. You know, he did some things. I think he had 80 yards rushing in, receiving. And, um, you know, you you forget that Aaron Donald was a junior that year. I, I don't remember him hardly making any tackles. Obviously, he got a lot better after that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had a bragging rights when I was at James Madison. Our receivers coach was Mike Shanahan, who was a starting senior receiver for him. So I always yep. – I always like to throw that at him whenever he brought up Pitt. And uh, but I think it started with Wolf. You know, it started with his mindset. And, you know, any anytime you play games like that, you've got you've to gotta stay in the game early and make something happen early. I know we – I think we hit Will Shaw for a touchdown early in that game. And then we had that, you know, the big trick play on fourth down. We had Jermaine Cook throw a halfback pass. And we took the lead. And we played with the lead all day. And I think there's – as the game went on, I think our confidence just grew and, and, uh, you know, it was, it really wasn't as close. It was a 14 point game. It really wasn't even as close as the score indicated. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad Shane, you mentioned coach Wolf. Cause Dan, you, you could second this if you want. Uh, and I love coach Haycock. I, I'm one of the biggest coach Haycock fans, but the difference in Haycock and coach Wolf is when we went into these money games with Haycock, it was almost like we just – it was another game. You just kind of went in, took your check, took your beat, and you went home. We never won in any of those games with Haycock to win. And I still remember that first Penn State game, and even Michigan State with Wolf. Like, he truly believed we were going to win the game. And he went out there, like, to win the game. And and it was contagious. And everyone believed it. from for every game we went in with Wolf. And – Shane was right on on right on target. It really did start with Coach Wolf. Yeah, I think I remember, you know, Coach Cochran, you know, that summer you guys were I mean, we looked like a physical football team and then uh, Stubbsy's like one of my all-time favorite players cuz he's one of the only guys shorter than me. So I got to love <laughs> Stubbsy. I mean, he's my he's my guy. Uh but you had some great calls that night, Shane, and I, the the halfback pass from Cookie to uh, Will was that called Penguin? Is that what, what we called that, or what was that called? It might I have remember. Been. I remember. I, I just might remember. I just remember that we were jokingly we we had it in the package. It was an unbalanced, heavy jumbo mm-hmm. set, and um, you know I jokingly told Wolf because we had really two plays. We had a a toss sweep to to Jermaine, and then we had the halfback pass. And I said. You know, the, the perfect scenario would be to run it on third down, to run the running play on third down and get stopped and line up and run it again and throw the halfback pass. And, yeah. you know, it just happened to work out. We had third and two, I think, about the 40, and we only got a yard and got stopped. And he said, let's try it. it was, it's an unbalanced set. We had Will Shaw was lined up left as, a, as the offensive tackle, mm-hmm. and it just worked to a T. I think that put us up. I think it might have been. 21 to 10 then it kind of gave us yep. a little bit of a cushion mm-hmm. and uh and then Stubbsy scored late to kind of put the game away but you know just yeah, one Cookie of those nights a, you know I, it yeah. was one of those nights if you remember the game was I think the game was delayed over an hour to start with because of mm-hmm. weather and uh yeah I knew in the waiting in the locker room I could tell our guys were ready to play and we went out mm-hmm. there we were yeah yeah when we we pulled in the the Heinz Field that day they were expecting weather and Strollo and I went underneath the stadium. They have like a, I'm going to call it a bunker, but under, where the weather guy is. And he had like 10 big screen TVs. And they're like, we're going to get a thunder and lightning in about 45 minutes. He's like, probably 43 minutes. And we're like, what the heck? 
And so they said, we're going to have a delay and both head coaches have to agree to it. So I go tell Wolf and Wolf's ready to play. I mean, he's like, you know, Wolf, he's like, yeah, he's like, cop daddy. I don't give a shit when we play. I don't care if it's at midnight. I don't, I, I'm ready to go. You ready? And I, I'm like, coach, you got to go talk to coach Chris, man. I ain't talking to nobody. You know, he was like, he was he was ready to he might have headbutted Kyle I can't remember but so I had to go down to Pitt's locker room and sit with Coach Christ I never met him and super guys like six foot five guys huge but he knew about Youngstown because like he was like talking to me where'd you grow up and and then I I remember after the game thinking he was such a good dude nice guy but then we kind of put it on his first game and but yeah the weather delay and then just I, I remember Cookie's block on that uh you know the the, the last yeah. touchdown uh Stubbs scored him. Blocked yeah two, he blocked two guys i think you're right you're yes. right he decleated the one guy it was i mean and uh so we were kind of the more physical team and um yeah it was that was that was a great night so and shane i do remember you trying to pick up strollo and uh <laughs> i think we were trying to get you a heating pad on the bus ride back from well, I, so. I think i threw my back out believe me <laughs> But yeah, man. Well, we're, let me get us back on on script on in the current interview. No, Sal. Uh, let us live our life. It's our show. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kurt, I, quick story and, and question for you, uh, Kurt. Is uh, you, you slightly mentioned when we first met that spring game? Um, that was what I was actually going to mention. I, I still remember um when you came up during that spring game after uh, my first year it was 2008 so it was the uh spring of 09 when you rolled in and i met you and you said you're going to play quarterback and i remember just being ecstatic uh dan Thank you, God. You, could, you, you could help me with this dan because the year before in 2008 uh we had uh, our starting quarterback todd rowan got hurt uh brandon summers ended up starting he was hurt our third string was terrible and ended up quitting and transferring. So we ended up with our, um, who was the, the fourth guy y'all called? Dalen Campbell. He, Dalen, he left Dalen. too. All four he, were gone. He left. Before you knew it, Mark Konetsky, um, he comes in out of Hubbard and he's supposed, he's a true freshman. I don't even know. I think he might have been a walk on. I really don't remember or an academic scholarship. And he ends up huh. starting some game because we're out of quarterbacks. So when she walked up, I was like, I don't even know who you are, or how good you are. Just thank God we got a quarterback coming in. <laughs> um, and, and just uh, my question on that, uh, Curdy, I've never really – I think I remember asking you this before, but can you walk us through your, your – uh, actually, I think Coach Haycock told me this story. Um, recruiting you, coming to YSU, I know you're from Dayton. Uh, was YSU ever on your radar? Where did you actually want to go if it wasn't YSU? And how'd you end up playing at Youngstown State and uh, coming here? Well, not to not to bring up any bad memories here for Coach Montgomery, but I was pretty set on going to Miami and going to play for Coach Montgomery when he was at Miami because my head coach, Andy Helms, is a newer Catholic guy and knew Shane, loved Shane's offense. And basically, I got to give a lot of credit to Coach Helms because Coach Helms, brought the spread offense to my high school where we were traditionally for 15, 20 years with coach place, we were running split back veer. Um, and we would always have two running backs and you just ran options all the time. Um, so obviously like, I, I think I had gone to coach, I think I went to your camp three times and I was going to do anything I could to get to Miami. And 
everything happens a little bit differently. I had some looks from Southern Hill, from Ashland, and then randomly Coach Wright rolls into my high school. And um, Coach Wright was – where's he at now? Northern Arizona. He just Northern got the Arizona. coaching job, yep. Northern Arizona. Um, great offensive coordinator, played with Z or Coach Zets and all those playoff runs against JMU um, for the early 2000s. And he kind of came in, and I remember – it, I hope he listens to this. He looked so tired and overworked when he was sitting in our Hall of Fame because two quarterbacks had just quit. So Brandon Summers was playing. He had just lost two quarterbacks, and he looks at me and he goes, we have two walk-on freshmen on our roster after next year. We're going to redshirt you, and then you're going to have a legit shot to play. And if you come for a visit, like we'll probably offer you a full-ride scholarship. And at that point, that was my only full ride scholarship for for Division One. I, I, I think Ashland had offered me a full ride package at D two, um, but I was like, "All right, man, like this is what I got. This is my only thing. So we're gonna go here." And David Fleming, uh, Centerville guy, was my my host, and him and Meadows just showed me the time of my life because I talked to Coach Haycock the next day, gave him a call when I got back home to Dayton, and and committed. So you survived the weekend with Meadows. Go ahead, Cyril. You survived a weekend with Meadows? <laughs> I survived a weekend with David Fleming and and Stephen Meadows, yes. Oh, man. No wonder you started for four years. You're in the <laughs> Hall of Fame just for that. Just for that, right? Yeah. No, I, 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 I tell people to this day, like, my, my high school head coach wanted me to play for Shane so bad. And it's just – I think it's hilarious that he, he ended up coming. I remember – Either you signed on or I saw the, the thing in the Vindicator. And I texted my mom. I was like, Coach Montgomery from Miami, who I went to three of his camps, is going to be my quarterback's coach. And she's like, oh, my gosh, that's so good. And you know how moms are with small world stories, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember, I remember uh, you know, years after, I think, when I was at Youngstown, I was cleaning up some stuff. And I think Kirk came to our quarterback receiver camps, what it was. And I had pulled out my old notes, and his name was in there. And. You know, oh, things, things work out. No, I was, and I had your name. <laughs> I, had, I had your name circled, so I was obviously. All right, all right. We, all we right. were looking. We were looking at you, and uh, yeah, I think I can't remember what year that was. I think we got an early commitment from an out of state kid or something, and yeah, and uh, but everything works out, and mm -hmm. everything works out. And you had a chance to come and play. You know, start forty five or forty six straight games. Yeah. not a lot of people can say that. Yeah, it worked out for sure. Uh, Dan, we're going to toss it to you for the last uh, question of the Curdy interview. Okay. Well, Kurt, so congrats again, member of the Hall of Fame at YSU. Um, question being for the current quarterback room. So you're going to walk in there. What are you going to tell that group kind of, you know, what it takes now that you can speak to that as a Hall of Fame guy? And what would be your number one? What's the most important thing a QB's got to have if you were to talk to that group right now? Yeah. I, I think I could have done a better job of this when I was there. I think I learned it. Funny enough, I, I got to give a lot of props to Dante and Tanner because those guys just got along with everybody, man. And they were so sociable. They were fun. They were they got a, along with every group. And I just think it's so important for the quarterback, whoever it is, to have the locker room and connect with everybody in some way or another. And hearing stories about like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady just going up to guys and saying like, hey, I'm Tom. Like you kind of have to have that humility about you to go talk to this guy who's standing in the corner and you don't have to make a big deal about it, but just to make a connection and 
Tanner even told me at the Ohio State game this year when he was at Bowling Green, he was like, the quarterbacks were so clicky, they were fighting over girls, and they were having competitions with each other, and none of them talked to each other. He said, as soon as we came to Youngstown State, I felt like I was a part of a group. I felt like you guys cared about me. You wanted me to do well on the field. And I just feel like quarterbacks have to have that humility to, you know, root on the guys that they may be competing against or, you know, kind of sharing that common goal. But I think it starts in the locker room. And I think I got better with that throughout. Um, Obviously, like you want to prepare like your coaches want you to prepare. You got to outwork people uh, when it comes to conditioning and weightlifting and being on time and setting the example. But I think it goes a long way when you have close friendships and relationships in the locker room. Um, Because ultimately, like when it's third and nine, I remember the Northern Iowa game. Coach Monty was another one our junior year that was uh, another rain delay. And we had like a fourth and eight. And we called some, I think we called shallow something like that. And we had a couple of different options. And I think, I don't know if they blitzed and played cover zero, but they had everybody covered. I don't know how I avoided the sack or even popped out. I felt like I was big Ben at that time. And six yards in front of my face was Will Shaw, one of my closer friends at the time. And boom, there he is. So I don't know why the hell I looked that way. And, you know, watching it on film the next day, we looked at each other coach and we're like, I don't know what the hell happened on that play, but man, we made it work. And it was just a shallow cross. I don't know if he took it to the house or like inside the five or 10 so we could ice the game. Um, But those plays happen when you're close with those people in the locker room. And um, you can see it sometimes in the NFL, those guys who spend a lot of time together. So spend a lot of time together and have the locker room. Cool. Thanks. Congratulations again. uh, Again on the whole on the Hall of Fame and induction, there's going to be a <laughs> halftime presentation on February 10th at 1.30 as your Youngstown State Penguins men's basketball host Green Bay. Uh, there's going to be a halftime show. I'm flying up for it. Uh, I know Kyle Sir will be there. Uh, Dan Kopp will be there. So the podcast will all be uniting at the basketball game. So if you're in town, you're there. Uh, love to see you, meet you, and, and love to have you out for the game for the presentation. Uh, yeah, we'll plan on. I'll just give a shout out to listeners too. If you're in town locally, uh, my family and I, my wife set up a couple tables at Penguin City Brewing Company. Never been there, should be a good spot. I think it's a pretty open warehouse. They're going to set aside some tables for us. Uh, we're going to order some pizzas, and I know Hall of Fame group's going to be heading that way. Matt Hogg's going to be there, and he's going to try to post something about just getting all Hall of Famers and alumni group over to Penguin City later that day after the af- game. After the game. After okay. the game, probably. We may leave the game a little bit early to get over there, but um, I think he's getting a group. He, he's, they're big on to alumni relations now and trying to get guys to get together and, and kind of connect in the 80s, 90s, thousands, and, and 10s. So, Love yeah, it. get there if you can. Love it. Well, we're going to transition here. Uh, was not planning on doing this, but by much popular demand, we're actually going to turn the page to uh, – do a Coach Montgomery interview while we have him on the show here with us. And he's really had a hell of a career uh, coaching that really needs to be recapped. So uh, I'm going to flip it over to Kurt to give a proper introduction um, on uh, Coach Montgomery. Yeah, definitely honored to have this man on the show right now. Um, introduced one of the most successful offensive coaches we've ever had at YSU. Uh, Newark, Ohio native that brings 33 years, I believe, of Division I coaching experience. Uh, East Carolina, Akron, Miami, JMU, 
Chattanooga, Charlotte, and NC State, among others. Uh, his second favorite QB of all time won the Super Bowls, uh, Super Bowl 40 and 43 for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, this guy successfully orchestrated four out of the top five offensive outputs in YSU history. Uh, welcome to the show, scratch golfer, avid Cincinnati Red supporter, and NC State record holder for the most passing yards in a game with 535. Ladies and gentlemen, Shane Montgomery. All right. Thank you, fellas. Yo, let's go. Appreciate you guys having me on. I've I've had a chance to listen to some of these, and I know it's good. I know I'm sure a lot of the old old players are uh, enjoying listening to the stories. You know, you got Sal, who's Sal was around for about seven years. I think he was undergrad for seven years, so he's got a lot of stories, and but, uh, and of course. Local resident Dan Kopp and and Searle and uh, Kurt, but it's good to have. It's good to be on. It's good to uh, talk some football. I haven't done this in a while. Thank you. Uh, I, I I I didn't want to cut this till now, and I mean we'll get into it. You mentioned Miko. Is that? Okay? I think we're all talking about the same story. Is everyone okay? We recap yeah. that real quick before we start the interview. Yeah, right, we're talking about the snap, right, Coach? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, he, he, uh, yeah, he, well, he, we were out there, I think it was a spring practice, wasn't it? It was a spring practice. He never made it in the fall. We were, we were down on the goal line, you know, about the five yard line and we lined up under center and, and I was talking to somebody and I turned around and I said, you know, he's lined up under the guard, which, it's happened before. I mean, I've seen people do it, but the only thing that was different was most people realize that they're not under the center and they move before they snap the ball. Well, he went ahead and went through the cadence and and the ball was snapped. And the next thing I know, the ball was on the ground. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those things you got to laugh because you never – most people catch it before they end up snapping the ball. But obviously he <laughs> – he didn't get that far, and, and uh, but wait, but yeah. the the best yeah, part, the best Talent part of the whole Talent thing, is, is the running back was <laughs> our our main man, Torian Pace, looked to the <laughs> sideline, like kind of gave this weird shrug, and shifted over behind Miko <laughs> when he was lined up correctly, like he was gonna get behind it. the center, and then he looked and he's like. I'm going to get behind Miko. But it, but so. it continues. Then the Miko acts like he's got the football. He continues to do a handoff about a football, and Torian acts like he's got the ball, and he looks at his hands like, where'd the ball go? Oh, man. It was like out of a movie. Oh, my God. That's one of those good stories you never forget. Oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, how many times was that replayed on film the next the, the next day? And oh, it was uh, it was it was rewritten a lot. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Dan, we'll, we'll kick it over to you to kick off the interview. Yeah, that's a tough one to follow. There, how, how the heck do I even ask a question after that story? But uh, you know, Kurt touched on it, Coach. Uh, obviously, again, thanks for being here. We all we all love you. The stories are endless, but. You know, Kurt touched on the uh, the offensive production you put out while you were the OC. So, I mean, a couple of those years, just we were scoring points at will. 
uh, Tito, Tito made an appearance. Um, and it was just, you know, I guess maybe talk to, you know, our listeners and all of us, you know, in your mind, what's it take to build that kind of offense? You know, you're the OC, you're going out recruiting Mm -hmm. guys or putting the scheme in. What does it take to do that where we had all those record breaking years and performances? Maybe touch on that a little bit. Yeah. Well, it was, like I said, it was, it was a, it was a work in motion there for a while because we, you know, we got there the first year and uh, in 10, Kurt's redshirt freshman year. And, and, uh, you know, we, we actually did a little bit better than I thought we would. We were not very deep on the offensive line, if you remember. You know, we had, we had a, I think, a starting five and hardly any, any backups that were able to play. And we stayed healthy. And we had a good year. I think we averaged over 30 points that year. And we ended up with a three and eight record. Uh, eight, if you guys remember, there were a lot of close losses as that year went along. And uh, it just kept getting things that you never see before just kept happening week after week. And and then, uh, you know, then we, you know, we had a great string of running backs there, you know, for a long time. I mean, Kurt wasn't there the whole time, but we had, you know, obviously Jermaine had a great career. I think he ended up second leading all-time rusher. And then when he left, Martin Ruiz came in and, ended up third and Jody Webb, you know, he was, I think he's the all time, all purpose guy. And, and we had some really good receivers. And, uh, and the other thing too, is I think our offensive line and you know, it always goes back to the head coach. Um, Wolf was always going to recruit offensive linemen and we did a good job. And Carm Brasillo was with us all eight years. And even though we had a lot of different coaches coaching the receivers and the tight ends and running backs, I think we had, five or six in each position in the eight years I was there. But Carm was able to be with me for all eight years, and I think we worked well together. And it started up front, and we were able to run the ball. You know, I think we were – I think when I looked at it, we were – in the eight years that I was there, we were one of three teams in the country that, that ran for over 2,000 yards a year and passed for over 2,000. And the other two was – one of them was North Dakota State, and the other one was a, another playoff team. So we were very balanced, and we were able to, uh, you know, dictate we, what we wanted to do. But we had some really good players. And uh, we just built – you know, we built the offense around the quarterback. You know, as, as Kurt was a, you know, a freshman and sophomore, you know, he can tell you as he got older, we put more on him. And then when he left, Hunter Wells came in as – you know, and played as a true freshman. And – you know, we kind of, uh, you know, were able to grow the offense around him. Kurt was, even though Kurt was a, a bigger guy with, with a good arm, Kurt ran the ball well. And uh, when we got Hunter, Hunter was not a runner, so we had to build the offense around him and maybe put some RPOs in and some things there and 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 try to, try to run the ball a few different ways except, you know, other than the quarterback running the ball. And uh, – so it, it was a fun time, and I had a good time there, and we had some really good players. And, and uh, you know, obviously we had that good run in 16 to the national championship game. And, you know, that was the only thing that I – you know, I think if, if there would have been a 24-team playoff earlier, we would have been in it a couple times, a couple other more times. And, and I always said that I, I thought because of how tough the conference was, if you could just get in the playoffs, you had a chance. And uh, that year that we went to the finals, I mean, we were third in the conference. We lost to, to North Dakota State and South Dakota State. We were six and two, but we ended up being the team that came uh, went to the championship game out of the conference. And that's the only thing I worry, you know, that I, uh, 
you know, I hate about those first four years, especially when Kurt was there, we didn't have a chance to go to the playoffs because I thought we had a good enough team to, to possibly do something in them. Yeah, I mean, uh, you hit it on the head. We talk about it a lot. And uh, those teams, Kyle and Kurt played on, and Sal and I were there, great teams, your offenses. And I'm glad to hear you say you got to run the ball. These guys always make fun of me because I just talk about run the damn ball. But uh, so thanks. That, that was a great answer. So appreciate you, Shane. Over to you, sir. All right. So before I before I get a question to you, Coach, um, I got a little little story, and uh, you know, for everyone that knows, I did not get the uh, the joy of starting forty five straight games like Kurt. I had to grind and battle a little bit. I had some injuries, but uh, you know, I'm remembering uh, before one game, I uh, I was starting at this point. And uh, I'm warming up. We're in the middle of the game. And Coach probably came up and said this to me, I don't know, half a dozen times throughout the season. He's like (laughs) – and I spent a lot of time in the offensive uh, room because Kurt was in there watching film. I'd try to drag Kurt to get some dinner or something. And so Shane would always bust my chops. But we're out warming up. And he's like, hey, hey, Searle, are uh, you going to get in the game today? (laughs) And I don't – and I just remember thinking like – I don't know. Like if you run the score up and we put the backups in, maybe like I got a shot. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I remember uh, taking a picture from Michigan state the one year and, uh, autographing it. And I said, uh, you know, something along the lines of like, I hope I get in coach. And I remember like walking into his office and I replaced one of his son's pictures <laughs> on his cabinet. And I was like, I wonder how long that's going to be there. And I think it was there for like a good couple of weeks, but he probably saw it and left it. But I don't know. I think it was uh, there. So a lot, I, thought, I think it was there a lot longer than that. Uh, it was there for a long time. I wonder, I, you honestly, probably still I have it. I don't think I, I didn't recognize it for a while. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then I said something to you. I left it up for a while. And uh, yeah, you were, I think the thing with Kyle, you know, the thing that Wolf always talked about, and, and I'll brag on these two right here, was he always wanted everybody to be overachievers. I don't know if you guys remember that, but these, oh, yeah. guys, these guys are two examples, you know, and Kurt would tell you too, he's, you know, people had stronger arm people, but nobody worked as hard as Kurt did. He was a smart guy. And the same thing with Kyle. I mean, he was an overachiever that got to most of his ability. And I think that was what made our team special. And that was one thing that, you know, and Wolf would tell you the same. He was an overachiever. He started, what, three or four years at Kansas State. And uh, he was a guy that helped rebuild that program. So those are the things I remember about you guys. That uh, you know, I look back and on my 33 years and those times at Youngstown are some of my fondest memories. So I I hope you still got that somewhere in your coach's box. You know, when you get your next <laughs> big gig to throw up. But uh, you know, my question is, we've we've kind of discussed this in our group chat. It's um, all over, um, you know, ESPN now and. Uh, we've discussed it on the show a little bit and, and talking about NIL and, and transfer portal. And, and I completely expect a, a very politically correct response from you, but um, I just kind of want to hear your insight on the challenges coaches face today on having to balance player personalities along with the NIL and, and losing players to, to the transfer portal. Cause I think that, it's kind of tough pill to swallow that you get three, maybe four years of a player's 
developmental years, they turn into good players and then they leave the program to go, you know, to what they think might be greener pastures. Sure, it's a two uh, double-edged sword where you get players coming to the program through the transfer portal. But um, what have you experienced in terms of like the added challenges that brings to a coaching staff? Yeah, and trying to plan for that. Well, the the our professions changed a lot, and the and the players, you know, obviously it's changed for them too. Um, you know, it's it, it, there's good and bad. Obviously, I think the biggest thing for years was everybody felt like the players deserve to make money, which they do. I mean, this is a big revenue sport that's getting more and more each year. I mean, you look at the Big Ten network, what they're giving each Big Ten school, the SEC network, you know, Texas has their own network. Um, so it was a long time coming. Um, and I think there's going to be, obviously, the last three to five years have changed college football the way it is. Um, the biggest thing for us as coaches now is we have to control our roster first. You know, it, it used to be, well, okay, you know what's coming back. This is what we have to go recruiting. And, and you always, you know, probably 80 to 90% of, of each recruiting class was high school kids. And then you might take a few transfers that you think could have an immediate impact because obviously the transfer rules were different. At, at some point you had to either transfer down uh, without sitting out a year, or if you were a graduate, you could go somewhere else. Well, now with this, transfer rule where those guys at any point in their career can transfer, you know, you've got to have your own roster management first. So, you know, before we even go out recruiting, um, you know, we've got to meet with our guys and get an idea of who's going to stay and who's, you know, who's leaving because, you know, it, the reason being is if, if you lose a starter and I know Youngstown state's going through this right now, I think they've lost a number of guys on defense that were coming back as starters I was talking with Coach Phillips uh, at the convention, and I saw uh, a couple other guys. Um, you've got to replace them with guys that can come in and start right now. You know, so that's the first thing you got to do. Um, when you used to have kids that visited, you know, they always ask questions like, um, you know, what is my competition? How many guys are you bringing in at my position? Am I going to have a chance to start early? Now their number one question is, how much money do I get? You know, that's that's the nature of the business now. And, um, you, you know, it's just, it's tough. And it's, you know, I'm not saying it's broken because I, there's a lot of good things, but the only thing is you look at is, you know, you could say, okay, well, Youngstown State's players do well. Uh, FCS kids do well. Group of five kids do well. They're going to keep moving up. You know, they're going to get opportunities because the way it is now, you can really, they say you can't tamper with them, but there's other ways that you can get to them. You can talk to a high school coach. You can talk to their agent now. Um, but the thing that I worry about is, when the starting quarterback at Ohio State is leaving, when the starting center at Alabama is leaving, you know, what are they looking for other than just more money? You know, I mean, the, the starting punter at Ohio State was a three-year starting punter. He transferred to Vanderbilt. Um, you know, it just when you look at these 
scenarios, you're like, okay, how this this has got it. There's got to be some uh, system set up where this just doesn't happen like this. It's, your roster could just turn over year after year. And the only thing that the NCA has done that's helped is that, you know, you used to be able to sign a maximum of 25 kids a year. Um, now, because you might have so many kids leave, it's unlimited. And they've, they've increased the number of official visits from 55 to 70, and it's going to go more because, you know, I talked to some, I talked to a number of coaches at the convention. I mean, they brought, you know, where you used to bring in maybe five or 10 kids at the most uh, in January, you know, a lot of them, you might have a couple transfers and a couple high school kids. Some of these schools are bringing in 30 kids mid-year. You know, I mean, they're bringing in, wow. you know, 25 transfers and five high school kids. And it's just a, it, the roster just turns over and over. So it's it's tough. But uh, hopefully, you know, again, I I, I like that the, the players are getting paid. Um, I think the money is getting out of hand a little bit because, you know, the people with the most money, you know, are, are able to get the best players. That's the way it is right now. And uh I just hope it doesn't trickle down. It, you know, it's. I'm just worried. Eventually, there's going to be a certain top tier of, of uh, schools that just kind of break off from the NCA and create their own super conference. And you know, I think if that happens, um, it's going to be tough for our game. And it, it'll be interesting next year to see when this 12 team playoff takes place. Um, how's it going to impact the bowl system? You know, when I was in the MAC for 11 years, and you know, obviously. The Mac's a great conference. I think it's the second oldest conference in the country. And, you know, you always look forward to going to bowl games. But now when you get into 12 teams, how does that affect all the bowl games? And, you know, and then the other thing you see, too, is that uh, you saw this year was, if you know, I always look forward to watching the bowl games because they were all great matchups. But just look at how many kids opted out because they were transferring and, uh I think it's just it's it's something that the NCAA's got to look at and it's just got to come up with a little bit better system. Hopefully it'll get rectified here in the next couple of years. Thanks. That was fantastic answer. I mean, that's definitely a different perspective than what we could have brought to the table. Yeah, uh, I think so I you know, it, it. it's just something that and it, it's something new every day. I mean it's it, you know, we our head coach came back from the conference and they have, you know, head coaches meeting and there's things on the table and you know, they're voting every year. And, and, and again, I mean, it's, you know, and Dan, you could appreciate this because, you know, you had to do the op stuff, which was probably housing and all that stuff. And, you know, we brought, you know, I'm in East Carolina right now. We brought in you know, about 20 kids mid-year. And when you used to bring like five kids in mid-year, you always had, there was always places on campus for kids for five years or for five kids. But if you're bringing 20 to 30 kids in, you know, there's, there's not that many places open on campus, you know, and so that, that creates another thing where you got to, you know, you got to try to get them in school quick and then find places for them to live, which people don't think about. Crazy. Curdy, yeah. over to you, man. Yeah. Shifting gears a little bit. Um, coach, one of my favorite stories with you is, is, you know, has to do with our, my, my boy, Nick Wargo. Um, and we would just, we'd be sitting there watching film. Another name drop that we probably haven't dropped his name here for a while is we were working those really long, uh, you know, summer, fall, fall training camp, uh, days. And, you know, it's, it's tough, but I think we always ended with like a 45 to an hour meeting 
and Wargo just hit his footwork was just not great for us. And <laughs> he just kept doing the thing and then he would always overstep and he'd get offline and he'd run into the alignment. And anytime he took the ball and took a step back, but I don't know if the Reds were in the playoff, but we were still playing the Reds were. And so we're sitting there watching film and we had the offensive staff room. So we had a bigger table and coaches in the back and we're all looking at the big screen and, you know, we're watching film and Wargo's getting going and Nick, what are you doing? Nick, come on, you're doing it. And you stop mid, mid getting into Wargo's, you know what? And you say, Hey, Kurt Red's won. And now look, and then, (laughs) In the middle of you getting on Wargo, you stop, you told me the Reds won, which I was pumped about, and then you get right back into getting on Wargo's footwork again. And I'm like, this is just great. And Dante and I looked at each other like, this dude is so funny. Like, he just, he's ripping Wargo right now, but he's also telling, you know, paying attention to the Reds game because you had the MLB.com yeah. pulled up at that moment. And, and honestly, like, we needed that because we did so much football and so much practice. It's like, let's just watch the Reds game for 10 minutes, please. Yeah. Well, the, I'll tell you what, the best Wargo story was when uh, when Wolf when Wolf and I did the home visit yeah, with, with Wargo. He's, his parents were divorced. I think we met him over at the mom's house, and I think his sister was there. And So we'd go in and, you know, trying to be all proper. And, you know, it, it, Wolf and I noticed – and I, you guys know what I'm going to get to, but Wolf and I noticed something over by his refrigerator, and we couldn't tell what it was. We couldn't tell if it was if it was a stuff something, if it was real or was not. And all of a sudden, his mom says, "Oh, you guys see Ernie?" And we're saying, "Who's Ernie?" He goes, "It's our pet pig." There was a live pig that was in the kitchen, and uh, and Wolf was going nuts, and then. As you know, we brought uh, we had Wargo bring the pig in and uh, for our uh, freshman uh, talent show, and yeah. uh, we dressed him in your boy Herdman's uh, jersey, I think it was. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, there's some good stories out there. Yeah, I do remember that. I just uh, you know sometimes you just gotta switch gears during the meetings. Oh, so funny! Yeah, it was great. <laughs> my, well, anyway, my my uh, question for you, and you kind of talked about you know your relationship a little bit with Carm, but. Carm getting moved over to the New York Giants is big news. We've had Carm on the show, and yeah. you know Wolf spent the last couple of years at Alabama. I felt like that offensive staff was was pretty good, and you guys had a, a steady grip on that with you, Carm and Wolf. What was it like working with those guys, and um, you know what made you connect with them so well? Well, the, you know Wolf, the hiring at YSU was a little bit uh, a little different because I I had left Miami. I went to Akron for a year and. The head coach got let go, J.D. Brookhart. And, and then Wolf just reached out to me. I did not know Wolf at all. We had some mutual friends. Um, so he, you know, he called me and said, I, I'm in on this Youngstown deal. If, and at that time, I had a couple things going on. He said, I know that you're probably going to have opportunities, but I'm going to leave. You know, I'm going to try to hire a few other people. I'm going to leave the coordinator job for you um, as long as, you know, as long as you need to think about it. And, uh, you know, I think it was about a week or two. He actually got the job. I can't remember. It might have been late December or something. And I ended up taking the uh, taking the job right before the convention. I, I was going to go to the convention and talk to some people. And I thought, you know what? It's actually, I'm going to go ahead and take this job because I'd rather go to the convention with a job than without a job. And uh, Carm was interesting. I had met Carm. He was, he was leaving Akron. 
uh, and going to Illinois, it was, it was kind of a triangle there where Wolf was the offensive line coach in Illinois. Um, he actually hired Carm to be his GA. And then as soon as Carm got there, he left and went to South Carolina. And, um, and Carm was leaving when I was coming in. So we kind of all knew each other, but didn't know each other very well. But, you know, I think the biggest thing, like I said, was especially, you know, Wolf was a great guy to work for. He, you know, he, he was hard on you guys. And just like, you know, you talked about, but he cared about you. And, um, you know, and obviously having a chance to, to work with the same offensive line coach for eight years was big for me because, you know, we just kind of, you know, kept the offense going for years. And, you know, you had, uh, you know, you had a number of receivers, you know, Coach Longo was there for years at Wisconsin now. And, and there was a lot of different receivers and running back and tight end coaches going in and out. But Carm and I stayed the same for eight years. So that made it a lot more easier for us to, to keep the continuity within the offense. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, and something I've been thinking about, you know, as I've, get ready for my hall of fame speech is I, I remember seeing, I got to look up the stats. My last three seasons, we, we only had single digit sacks on offense. And I think that that's really impressive with the guys that we had like Elkins and Lamar yeah. Mady. I think Mark Pratt listens to the show a little bit and having those guys up front for two years and did a lot of play action. I wasn't necessarily a true drop back passer, but you guys did a ton of work to to keep me upright, and I, I appreciate that big time. And so did the big hogs up front. So yeah, well, we had a good time, and I uh, always eight years. I always remember, and especially his first four years, we had a lot of good times back in. Well, quick, quick, a quick uh, quiz question for you, Coach. That I I think we all to kind of discuss it in the thread, but I want to see if Shane knows this. So bring you back to the uh, twenty ten. Uh, well, really, 2009, 2010, uh, Phil Longo was the offensive coordinator at Southern Illinois. He leaves the staff, comes and joins our staff at Youngstown State as receivers coach. Southern Illinois, who just won our conference that previous year, uh, they went on and replaced Phil Longo with a new offensive coordinator. He already knows uh, it. <laughs> uh, who was that offensive coordinator? He was the new head coach at Alabama. It's crazy to think about Jalen Demore. He was there, you know, wow. and I, I did not I, I talked to Wolf the other day and he brought it up. I didn't realize that he was the OC there from ten to thirteen. So he would have been there Kurt's whole career. And yeah. uh, I knew he was there at some point, but I didn't I didn't realize he was there all four years. And and you know what? He he couldn't get by slide special. So, you know, you know anyone at Auburn, you got to install slide special for him. <laughs> anyway, quick quick question, uh, quick story, and I think it leads into uh, just a quick uh, question for you. Um, I, I remember one time Kurt just had a hell of a game, and I remember walking to your office that Sunday, and you were watching film and grade in, and you didn't even really, I don't know, you didn't pay attention to me, but you were still watching film. I was talking to you, and I rolled in there, and I said, man, Kurt had a hell of a game, Coach. What do you think, Coach? I, you think he's going to be better than, than Ben Rosselberger? And when I said that, I remember you kind of shaking, like I just said something so uh, displeasing. And I remember you stopping and just dropped your pencil and turned him in and said, Sam, there will be, there will never be another Ben Rosselberger ever. 
And then you just turn maybe I looked at you. Maybe I looked at you because you butchered his name. <laughs> yeah, I never knew the guy. <laughs> so I guess my question to you is: from Chattanooga, Miami, JMU, who are some of the best players you were you coached or been around uh, during your college uh, coaching career? Well, we had obviously a bunch of them at Miami with Ben Roethlisberger. We had uh, Jacob Bell's a Cleveland St. Ignatius guy. He was our starting guard. He ended up, he got drafted, I think started eight years for the Titans. We had a kid named Ryan Robinson, a receiver from uh, Toledo Central Catholic. I think he still owns all the records at Miami. He got drafted fourth round by Carolina. And then, uh, you know, you go to, you know, obviously we had some really good players. We talked about the guys at Youngstown State. Um, you know, I started my career with Terrell Owens, you know, Terrell Owens, T.O. at uh, Chattanooga. And, uh, you know, he was, uh, that was my first job in 1993. T.O. was a, a sophomore, so he played for us for three years. And, uh, you know, he was, he was a real uh, raw kid back then and got better and better. And he just kind of, he was a man amongst boys there his last two years. He was just a physical specimen. But, you know, he wasn't as, you know, I, you know, I've got some good stories about him, but, you know, it was, it was funny because when he came out in 95, um, we had obviously every scout, in, every scout in our area came through, every team came through, and some of the teams really liked him, some of the teams didn't, and the 49ers loved him, and they ended up taking him, I think, in the third round, and got him with Steve Young and John Taylor and all those guys. And, and, you know, he got with them. And, you know, the thing about T.O. was that I always tell everybody, everybody always sees the, the, the antics that he has, especially on the field. You know, T.O. did never – he never got any got into any trouble off the field. You know, he was – and he practiced and played as hard as anybody had been around. But he just – you know, when he got on the field now, he would do – do some things on the field that would really tick tick some people off. And he kind of got into it late in his career and, you know, kind of got, I think his ego got to him a little bit, but those are some of the guys, you know, I got to James Madison. I ended up, you know, I, it was, you know, it's funny because I got to James Madison in 2019 and they were telling us the same thing that they told us when we went to Youngstown, we don't have a quarterback. And uh, Ben DiNucci was there. I was his fifth He's a Pittsburgh kid that went to Pitt for three years. I was his fifth quarterback coach and fifth offensive coordinator in five years. And uh, he ended up being All-American, took us to the national championship game and got drafted by the Cowboys. And He's a backup for the Broncos right now. So, I mean, there's been some, you know, great stories. You know, there's obviously some guys that uh, that I always say were probably the most talented that just didn't make it for some reason. Um because of some work, you know, their work ethic and things like that, that, you know, they've had the talent, just didn't use it to the best of their ability. But it's been a fun run. There's always guys that, uh, you know, you, that you remember over the years, but it's good to just, you know, keep in touch with guys like you because, you know, I, I remember all the wins and losses, but the relationships mean the most. And uh, those are the things that I look back and have fond memories of. Amen to that. Uh, Dan, we'll kick it over to you for our, our last question for Shane. Yeah, um, kind of touching on what you just mentioned, Shane the, and Kurt. Everyone's asked you about the about Youngstown and the bonds you formed there, and 
I know you and I always laugh about the story of when you actually came to Youngstown and your, I guess you call it formal interview with Wolf. And I know when he got the job, he said, I got to hire two guys. Is I got to hire Shane Montgomery and Tom Sims. He said, those are the first two guys I got to hire. And he was, he's like, I got to get Shane. I got to get Shane. But, and speaking of overachievers, our, uh, you know, one of the podcast hosts, Kyle Searle, was the first winner of the Carmine Cassis Overachiever Award. I don't know if you remember that. I so do, the, don't remember that. Why am I not being notified of these awards? I walked into the stadium the other day and I'm on the, uh, what is it, Kurt? The homecoming. The homecoming plaque. I was like, no one let me know. This is the first time was, I've seen it 11 years later. It was, a, it was a nice award, and it was like, did you want it one year, and then the year before that was the entire offensive line. Because <laughs> we had 700 yards, and we had Parnell Taylor in the background. I was on the headset, and Shane's like, tell him not to score. Tell him not to score. <laughs> that, that, was, that was against Valpo. Valpo. Yeah, that's Valpo. right. We scored 77, I think. Yeah, you know, scored, probably could have scored. Tell him to go yeah. down. That was uh, – that was, that was the uh, game we scored 11 straight touchdowns. And Strollo said not was, to score anymore, right? Strollo was on the sideline. He said, hey, yeah. guys, try not to score anymore. They're supposed to come back here again next year. Yeah. Yeah, he grabbed me and said, you got to tell Wolf to call the dogs off. I said, um, well, you want me to go to Wolf? And it's 35 nothing at this time. I'm like, you want me to You want me to tell the head coach? You're the AD. You tell me. You know, Wolf, he was probably would have bit someone's head off. Uh, but. Uh, you know, just kind of going back to it, obviously, you know, we love Wolf and he brought you here and the, the history of that. But Sal mentioned you've been all over the country. You've coached it, you know, everywhere and been a part of big programs and big players. Where do you, you know, we're always curious, where, do, where does YSU kind of fit when you think of our tradition facilities uh, and the, the ability to recruit here? Where, yeah. where do you see us stand? Where, you know, how do you, where's Youngstown State stack up against that? No, oh, it stacks up high. You know, I always said that, uh, you know, I've been uh, about half my career in FBS and half a career in FCS. Um, you know, Youngstown's always got a special place in my heart. I always said it's a, and, and Dan, you know, this being from there, it's a family community. Um, you know, it's, it's a family type atmosphere. I think obviously with a lot of tradition, you know, uh, Coach Tressel was a was the quarterback coach at Ohio State when I was coming out of high school, and uh, and then he got the Youngstown job and obviously did a tremendous job and and put Youngstown. I mean, obviously Youngstown was on the before, but with what he did with them, and so when I got there, I knew the tradition, you know. So, you know, you you've got that. I was a you know kind of a college football historian. So, I, you know, I, I knew about Youngstown, obviously, being from there, even though I was down south uh, when he was making that run with national championships. But just to get there, I think you see the the support that's in the community. I mean, people love Youngstown State University. Um, you know, it's as good as fan base is, is anywhere on that on that level. You know, I mean – you know, we all, you always want more fans, but we could always count on being a good crowd there. You know, I've been in the Mac for, like I said, 11 years, and the Mac's kind of a place where if you're winning, they're going to come. You know, if you're struggling a little bit, you're going to have some sparse crowds. You know, when, when we were rolling at Miami, we had great crowds. When we weren't doing as good, you know, it wasn't as good. But Youngstown throughout those eight years were always good crowds. Um, you know, I think when you go recruit, people know who Youngstown State is. 
you know, I think that's an area too that it's so well known. It's in such a great football recruiting area that you don't have to go real far. I mean, you've got obviously the whole state of Ohio, you got Western PA. I mean, you could go down South and people know the tradition. So there was a lot going for it. And, uh, you know, I always said that's, you know, that's one of the stops that I've had to look back and had the thrill of coaching at. And, uh, you know, I've been, to, like I said, I've been to some bigger schools. I've been to FBS, I've been a head coach, but, you know, to, to think about those eight years, there's a lot of fond memories. And like I said, it's not a, not just about the wins and losses. It's about the people and uh, the people that supported the program and the people we had in the program. And we had a lot of great coaches that are still doing great things. And I'm sure they would tell you the same thing about Youngstown State if you ask them. Yeah, and, and just to follow up real quick, Wolf, credit Wolf. I mean, he had said, I've never been a head coach, obviously. This is my first time being a head coach. Shane's been a head coach. and. He coached it's Sal, it's Ben Roethlisberger. Just so <laughs> you might want to as a Steeler fan, that was hard to hear you butcher that name. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, you know, Super Bowl champ. So Roethlisberger, but um, uh, but yeah, Shane, I just I remember the first time you came and met you. I think we all will say, I mean, you know, coach, you're just a class act, and I mean, obviously he did a hell of a job coaching at YSU and 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 did a great job coaching Kurt and so, yeah, I mean, it is great to have you on here. And uh, you could tell a story about how I almost blew your uh, contract deal the day, uh, Tanner and Trent, but that's for another day. So I won't go into that story. I'll be too long-winded. So That's right. You know, yeah. Well, I want to, you know, appreciate you all having me. I want to, again, congratulate Kurt. I'm going to try, unless something changes, I'm going to try to be there on, I think, February 11th, right? That, yeah. Is that the induction? You know, that's what I'm planning yeah. on. You know, I'm kind of in a uh, – I'm in a situation where I'm looking for jobs right now. I could stay here, but I'm probably going to leave. And I was an analyst this year, so I'm looking at some things. And as long as my schedule and, and my work has not changed, I plan on being there on level to, to celebrate with you and the family and hopefully see a lot of teammates, ex-teammates there and ex-players. And, and that'll be a special day for you. You know, it was, a, it was one of the things that uh, very deserving of you and, of the time you put in at, at Youngstown State, and hopefully I'll be there to see it and uh, see see a lot of fam- uh, familiar people that I haven't seen in a while. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. And if if you can make it great, if not, you you've been on the show, and that's the one that really matters. <laughs> before, on the before we wrap up, Coach, if you just got a couple minutes, uh, Kyle, sir, I don't know if you have any uh, questions from the YouTube chat for for Coach before he uh, leaves us. Yeah. So. There, there's a couple, a couple from Jacob Zinni again. Uh, Coach Monty, how many times do you think you ran inside zone versus South Dakota in 2017 when you held the ball for 45 minutes? Well, let me tell you, we, I think it was actually 46 minutes. And that was Nathan Mays. That was Nate Mays was quarterback. And then that was when uh, Hunter was hurt. Hunter got hurt the week before or something like that. So we ran and I tell you what, we didn't have uh, a whole lot of success against South Dakota state, but that was one of the nights we did. And uh, I, we probably ran inside zone probably 50 times. And I think from under, I think from under center most oh. of the time. So but that was a night we had the ball 46 minutes and, that was one of the great wins uh, during my time there. And then, and then he followed up with, uh, "Have you ever experienced anything like 
2016 Northern Iowa when we got down to our third string <laughs> quarterback. And I'll say, yeah, in 13, we were down to our third string quarterback versus North Dakota State. But yeah, yeah I don't want to bring that up. You know, Kurt was, Kurt scored late in the Northern Iowa game and turned his ankle or something. And we came home to play, uh, let's see, we played North Dakota State next. Is that North right? North Dakota State yep, first. Yep. Yeah. And I remember, uh, I think it was John Danaco, right? Yep. Danaco was not going to let him play, and we talked him into letting him play. And we went straight down and scored on the first drive of the game. And yep. uh, and I know he wouldn't, Kurt wasn't 100%, but I thought, this is pretty good. No. Danaco no. said he, he wanted to pull him out of the game. I was like, well, what are you talking about? So then we went, uh, you know, we got a couple in, and Tanner, Tanner Gary ended up going in there, I think, throwing a touchdown pass. But uh, okay. But, uh, you know, that Northern Iowa game in 16, it, you know, uh, so Hunter wasn't playing. So we started Ricky Davis. Ricky got hurt. Uh, then we played Trent Hosick. Trent Hosick, we put him in. I think the third play he was in, he ran the ball for like 30 yards. Unbeknownst to me, he broke his collarbone. And he, he stayed in the game, and we threw a pass the next play, and he couldn't throw at all. The ball fluttered and was intercepted. And it came out, and uh, Nate Mays was the only le- only one left dressed. And so uh, that was the middle of the second quarter. I had to run down. I was the only one left that knew the signal. So I left the, the press box, and I ran down in between series, and I stood on the sidelines and signaled in the plays the rest of the game. And we were down 10 nothing. I think we scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, won 14-10, and Jeez. That was a huge win. I think we, wow. if I remember correctly, I think we what threw, a story. we only <laughs> threw for 20, 28 yards that day, which is the fewest I've ever thrown for. I think Nate oh Mason was God. on the, uh, he was on the scout team the whole week. I, I think he only knew about three plays. Wait, is that, that's got to be like a, a record for YSU, least amount of yards thrown in, in a win or something. Yeah. That's crazy. Was that at you and I? No, I was at home. Oh, was that at home? home? Of course, it was at home. home. Yeah, on, Kurt. yeah. <laughs> I'm about to say, yeah. if we threw for 28 yards and one at you and I, yeah, yeah, so right. sign me up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, last one, last one, Coach Shane. Um, this one's from Richard Wolf, super fan of YSU sports and the show. Um, he just wants to know, you know, what are some similarities you saw between Kurt and Big Ben? Obviously, uh, Big Ben is a <laughs> marquee player that you coached everyone knows that you coached him at miami and that was yeah. that well you know i think the, i think the yep. thing i think the thing with you know obviously i don't think any quarterbacks are like i mean i i could go through 12 of my coach but the one thing i think kurt and uh, ben had was they were they were confident in their abilities you know i think they they made the other players around them better, which is what the successful quarterbacks do. Um, and and they, you know, they worked their butt off. I think that, you know, Ben's thing was, and I think Ben would tell you, I think Ben, his first couple years, I think Ben rested on his, he, he was trusting his athletic ability. And then he had to learn how to really work hard. And, uh, you know, Kirk had that, or Kurt had that, temperament the whole time and he was a hard worker but there's you know they were both confident in what they were doing they were not cocky you know players but they were very confident and they made everybody else around them better and uh 
you know, that's why I think both of them have had the success that they've had. And that's, that's what makes the good quarterbacks, the, the guys that can make the other people around them better. And that's by their work ethic and that's by the way they treat other people. And I think, uh, you know, their teammates respected both those guys. Nice. nice. And then Moss Appreciate chimed in. DJ Moss chimed in late and he wants to know if you remember his interception in practice where he ran out of bounds and <laughs> Moss man. strap came off. Well, yeah, yeah. We weren't sure. I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't say anything about his height either. But I do remember that. Oh, God. Oh. DJ's another example of those overachievers I'm talking about. That, yeah. You know, you Absolutely. would not line him up and say he's a, you know, he's a great player, but he had a great career at YSU and local product that, you know, did great things. I know he's doing great things in his life now. And those are the guys you remember, you know, the guys that uh, were a big part of the program were fun to be around every day, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. We, we had some characters and a lot of stories <laughs> that come from, come out of it. You write so. a book. Let's transition real quick. Uh, Kurt, congratulations again on the Hall of Fame induction. Again, for our listeners, that presentation will be at halftime of the Youngstown State men's basketball game on February 10th. That's a Saturday at 1.30. Uh, if you're in the area, definitely love to see you. Come on out, and uh, we'll all be there, it sounds like. And Coach Montgomery, thank you again for your time on being on the show. Uh, again, guys, uh we're running a little overtime, and we got the whole off season to to talk about this. But just real quick for both Kyle Searle and Kurt Hess, who run uh, the YouTube and the IG, any shouts or questions or anything uh, that is worth uh, mentioning or shouting out before we uh, lock it up? No, nah, I just uh, want to say thank you. T- yeah, sorry, my bad, Kurt. Just say you thank good. you to everyone that tuned in on YouTube tonight. Uh, just smash that like button for us. I don't really know how much it helps us right now. Hopefully this thing grows to what we want it to be and, and get some traction on YouTube, Instagram, all that stuff. So we appreciate your guys' time tonight. Thanks for chiming in on the questions. Um, you know, the the usual suspects, Gibbs, Moss, Zinni. Metz was in here a little bit. Wolf, uh, Richard Wolf as always. So thanks to those guys. All right. Yeah, and same thing with uh, uh, Coach Monty. Kristen from the equipment room says hi. Um, she, you know, <laughs> oh, Kristen, tell her hello. She, she, she always pays attention to the show, and um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you remember her. And oh, yeah, her we got her. We got her. Me and, uh, me and my wife have her on Facebook. Oh, good, good. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, I'm good, Sal. That's it. All I think. right. Well, again, thank you for tuning in to the Young Sam Football the Youngstown Penguin Football Podcast. Uh, again, we are on Instagram, Whitetown Penguin Podcast. Any questions you have, uh, especially if you're a football alum, love to have you on the show in the offseason, highlight you, uh, interview you, bring you a part of the conversation. Again, the main point of this podcast is to bring the Youngstown State Football Penguin family together from all generations. Uh, so please reach out on that Instagram page. And we are always on YouTube Live. So we will be back. Follow our IG to know when we're back and we are anywhere podcasts can be found. Please share with a friend, uh, any family, anyone you may know. Uh, but again, I am your host, Sal Guardo. That's Kurt Hess. That's Dan Kopp. That's Kyle Searle. And thank you again, Coach Montgomery, be on the show. 
This is the Youngstown Penguin Football Podcast signing off.